This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Take your Bibles if you would and open them to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And we're going we're gonna to read from starting in verse 8 and read down uh, several verses. I want you to know Romans is a great book that talked about our trusting God. Talked about our trusting God. That we as Christians live by faith. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. The just shall live by faith, the Bible says. And so this is a revolutionary book. It gets your eyes off of your work. It gets your eyes off of what you do. It gets your eyes onto what Jesus did. And we trust Jesus and we honor him and we serve him. Read with me if you would. Romans chapter 1 starting in verse 8. The Bible says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness in whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests that by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer if you would. Father in heaven, I love you and I thank you so very much for the opportunity to come to you in prayer. And I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the opportunity I have to preach your book. And I just pray, God, that today you would drive home the truth that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. I also pray to God that you would drive home to the Christians in this room that we live by faith. It is what you do in our lives. It is you that uh, helps us to be who we are, to live out who we are. And I pray, God, that your people would trust you and walk by grace even now as they're born again. And I'll give you great praise and honor and glory for all that you do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. There's tremendous truths in this chapter, and I hope you will uh, really grab a hold of several things this morning. But the main thing is this. We live by faith. Everything about us, what we teach, what we preach, what we practice is this. We believe in Jesus Christ who died and was buried and rose again. That's how I got saved, and that's how I live. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5. If you've got your Bible open, keep it open in Romans chapter 1. First thing I want you to notice is that uh, the, this faith, this ministry that Paul had was for everybody, everywhere, faith to all nations. Look at verse 5. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. The gospel is a worldwide invitation. All nations. God wants people everywhere to be saved. God wants the gospel preached. The gospel only works as people obey and believe. Look what it said in the verse. 
for obedience to the faith. When you come to a place in your life that you recognize and acknowledge you sinned and you have a need and you accept a free gift, it is the obedience of faith. Verse 6 has another exciting term. Look at verse 6, if you would. It says, Romans 1, 6 says, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. You are the called of Jesus Christ. He called us and we are his. The world, the word here refers to being invited, welcomed, appointed, like those invited to a banquet. It's a word that he uses to refer to us as saved people. Jesus has called us to salvation. We have received the gift. We're saved by him. How many of you this morning would say, man, I know God dealt with my heart. I know God showed me my need of salvation. I know God showed me my sinful state. And I came to a place in my life when I could say, yes, I responded to the call of God. I accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. I am born again for what Jesus did. Can you say that? If you can't say amen, we are the called of Jesus Christ. Then it says we are the loved of God. Verse seven, verse seven. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, beloved of God. We love him because he first loved us. How many of you know this morning he loves you? If you, love, if you know he loves you, say amen. He loves you. You are the beloved of God. He said, I, 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 Paul says to them, the beloved of God. He showed us his love while we were still sinners. He loved us. His love is not conditioned on our performance. That's another wonderful truth. Notice this. He said, beloved of God, you are the loved of God. If you aren't doing everything you ought to be, and if you aren't everything you ought to be, you are the loved of God. You are loved because he's a wonderful God. You are loved because he cared about you when you were yet a sinner. You are loved because he came looking for you. You are loved because he gave his son on the cross. You are not loved because of what you do. You're loved because our God is a great and wonderful God who has called us to be saints and we have responded and accepted him. Look again at that verse was seven. Romans 1, 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, his calling makes us saints. I want you to look around. You're in a room full of people that are saints. You're in a room full of people that are born again believers that he calls saints. He called us to salvation, and he called us, and he made us saints, and he calls us saints. Not because of our goodness, but because of his goodness. Not because of our righteousness, but because of his Saints, that word when he uses it is a recognition that he has made sinners holy. He has made sinners holy. Saints refers to the fact that we are no longer who we are. God has made a difference in our lives. He he saved me. He changed me. I am not who I was. We're called to be saints. We didn't do it. It's not us, but it's him. Now, let me get to the real message. Go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1 and verse 8. Three words maybe you'll write down before it's over. The first word is faith. Look at this. Their faith was spoken of. Look in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ to you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Paul loved these Roman Christians, and he thanked God for them. They had a testimony that was spoken of all over the world. People knew they loved God. 
You understand these people are there in Rome and, and people are talking about them. And Paul writes them and he says, guys, hey, listen, you're the beloved of God. You're called of God. You're called to be saints. You're forgiven. But I tell you something that excites me. You have believed God. You have trusted God. You are people of faith. You have faith. And because of that, people about are talking about you everywhere. We all have a testimony. I think if anything jumps off the page here, it's that Paul could say, you know, people are talking about the, you guys up there in Rome. People are saying you guys really believe God. People are saying that you're, that you have trusted God. We have a testimony. People have an opinion of our love for God. They may not associate us with God at all. They may say that we go to church or we're good people, or they may say, wow, he loves God. He is a super religious person. They might not understand what's going on, but I'd like to ask you a question. They had a faith and it was spoken of. They had come to a place in their life when they realized they had sinned against God. They come to a place when they realized that they didn't deserve to go to heaven and they weren't good people and they were sinners and they had accepted the gift of God through Jesus Christ. They had trusted him and they were believers. They were people of faith and people talked about them. What do people say about you? What testimony? Do they speak of your faith? Do they speak of your lack of faith? Or do they speak of your hypocrisy? I mean, that's a really good question. Rome, hey, Christians in Rome, people are talking about you. And everywhere they talk about the fact that you are really strong believers. I want a testimony. I want when people think about me, for them to think about the fact that I love Jesus and I am a believer in him. Go with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. The next word, their faith, he wanted to strengthen their faith. Look at verse 11 if you would. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Look if you would at this. Paul said, man, I want to come by. He said, I've been praying God to let me go to your place. I want to come down to Rome. I want to come to your churches. I want to stand up there and I want to preach and I want to teach and I want to show you some things you don't know yet. I want to help you be strengthened. You might ought to write this down somewhere. Growth always follows birth. Growth always follows birth. And Paul said, you know what? I long to see that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift that you, that, that it, that to the end that you may be established. They had been saved, but they still, uh, they would still would want to and need to grow. You got saved and were born again, but it's not about like you get saved and then you just sit soaking sour. It's not like you just get saved and, and you're there, you're saved. And Paul said, man, I want to keep teaching you. I want you to keep growing. I want you to keep learning. You need discipleship. You need more discipleship. Can I just say, now look at me, listen to me a second. That's why you need to be faithful to church. That's why you need to be faithful to have your own Bible reading time. That's why you need to be always seeking to grow. That's why you ought to get involved in discipleship. Paul said, Paul's writing to the Romans. And he, do you, have you noticed what he said before we get to this verse? He said, hey, called of God. Hey, saints. Hey, all, your faith is spoken of everywhere. But you still need to keep growing. You're not there yet. You're not all you ought to be. By the way, we won't ever be all we ought to be till we get to, go, to glory. I need to grow all the time. Paul wanted to keep teaching them. That's why you ought to be faithful. I hope you get involved. I hope you, I hope you say, oh, the sign over there says foundation. I hope you sign up and say, man, I want to grow. I want to help others grow. I want my faith to be strengthened. I want to impart uh, spiritual gifts, teach people more about Jesus. Look at verse 12. 
It was a shared faith. In verse 12, he said, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. Paul quickly lets them know that it's not that he is superior, but that they are both growing. Look at the words, underline them in verse 12, mutual faith. Paul wasn't like, hey, I'm an apostle and I have arrived. Paul said, man, I would like to see you and I'd like to teach you. I'd like your faith to comfort me and I'd like to be comforted by your faith and I'd like to impart some spiritual thing to you. He'll be comforted when he sees them and sees how God's working in them. He's a believer and also will be benefited. Before I leave this idea of faith, and, and, and all, can I just tell you something? If you will, now listen to me, discipleship. Man, that is a big word. And everybody in this church ought to be involved in it. And everybody in this room ought to say, man, I have believed in Jesus, but I want to know more. I want to understand this Bible. I want to understand the truths. I want to know who I am in Christ. I want to know what he's done for me. I want him to grow me and mature me. I want the fruit of everything he's done to be real in my life. And I want that to happen. And here's a really wild thing. He said, your faith is a shared faith. It's a mutual faith. Did you know that every time I, when I preach to you, this will be a wild thing for you, but did you know that I grow every service? You may not be growing from my preaching, but I'm growing. Boy, I spend hours studying my Bible. I spend hours praying for you. I spend time thinking about you. I spend time thinking about the word of God and God grows me. Paul said, it's a mutual faith. And some of you in this room have quit growing. You have quit growing. You learned a few things a long time ago, but somewhere along the way you decided, well, I'm saved and I'm baptized and I give and that's about all I need. But Paul said, hey, I want to be comforted by our mutual faith. I want to get together with you. I want to impart to you a spiritual gift. I want to strengthen your walk with the Lord, but it's going to comfort me too. Did you know that if you get involved in discipleship, let's suppose you have grown a lot and you know a ton of things about the Bible. Well, you didn't just get to a place in your life where you're big and fat and spiritually speaking and you can just sit down. You got to a place where God wants you to exercise what you know and to teach other people. Hey, they ought to be talking about our faith. And the strength of that will be that I know and I teach and I learn and I teach and they teach me as I teach them. When I arrived in Peru and I began teaching those people in Peru and everywhere else I work and teach all the people I help caused me to grow like I never grew before. Be teaching their faith. The second word I want you to look at, go with me to chapter 1 verse 13. Romans chapter 1 and verse 13. It's the word fruit. Look if you would about verse 13. Now I would not have you ignorant brethren that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you. But was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also even as among other Gentiles. Circle the word fruit. Paul said, man, your faith's talking about everywhere. But I want some fruit. I want to see people growing. I want to see God working. I want to see God building you and building people. So put a circle around the word fruit. I'd like to just quickly, this is kind of an aside, but it's found in this verse. And as we preach through the Bible, I wanted to just show you. Did you notice Paul was in charge of his schedule as you might have thought he was? Look, if you would, in chapter 1 and verse 13, Paul said, man, I wanted to come by and see you, but I wasn't allowed to. I want to come by and have some fruit, but things just didn't work out. And uh, I want you to know that I'm not in charge of my schedule as much as you think. And neither are you, by the way. And neither are you. But watch this. Paul was hungry. He desired to see some fruit. Paul was hungry to have spiritual fruit. He wanted to see the Romans grow. He also wanted God to allow him to see people everywhere growing. 
Everybody in this room ought to be hungry to see spiritual fruit. Uh, what's that mean? When I got saved, when I got saved, you know, God didn't just save me to keep me out of hell, but God saved me to serve him. God saved me for my life to count for him. He could have easily taken me straight away, taken me straight to heaven, and it'd all be over, and I'd be in glory right now, but God leaves us here so we have ministry, so we make a difference. And Paul said, man, I can't wait to get to Rome because I want to see I want to see some spiritual fruit. I want God to use me to help you. I want God to use me to see people saved. I want God to use me to see other people uh, growing and maturing in Christ. I want to preach to you so you grow. I'd like to ask you, are you hungry for spiritual fruit? Church becomes a dead, boring place when it all it is is you come to hear week after week the same stories you've heard all your life. But if you have, if you would spend time every week saying, man, God spoke to my heart and I'm going to go teach somebody else what Jesus is teaching me. And if you were running out to tell others and show others and teach others, you'd be coming in all charged up and all excited. If you were hungry to have fruit, you'd have excitement in your Christian life. Everybody in this room could be leading people to Christ. Everybody in this room could be discipling other people. Everybody in this room could be in the ministry. This afternoon, some of our people will step out of here and they'll go to nursing homes and other places to preach the gospel and share the gospel. And a Spanish church, they'll do other things. It's an exciting thing to be involved in bearing fruit. Paul said, man, I want I wanted to have fruit. I want to have fruit. What are you doing that will allow you to see people grow in grace and be saved? What are you doing that would allow you to see people grow in grace and people to be saved. Will Hill was at our church the other night. And he told a story about a teacher from Old Swanee. Who died in her 90s. or eight, Late 80s or 90s. And I called yesterday to confirm. But there were like 50 people that she taught in Sunday school in the service. And five of them were in full time missionary service today. Five of those people that went through her class. And maybe she didn't seem like she was much. And maybe she was just a teacher in a little country church teaching people about Jesus. But at her funeral, five guys were there that God saved, God called, God put on the field, and God was using. You can make a difference. You're teaching a Sunday school class. And maybe you don't even look at that as very important. But the God of heaven says, hey, it is important. You're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wanted fruit. As you teach others, it'll not only help you but them. Discipleship cuts both ways. Discipleship will teach you. Discipleship will teach them. You ought to desire fruit. Go if you would to Romans 1.14. Paul said, hey, it's, I have a debt. And this is probably one of those verses that we ought to take a whole week on, but we won't. But in Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, he said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. To have such a wonderful gift makes us debtors. We should just get we shouldn't just get and take without giving. We should feel indebted because of the favor we have received. Man, God's been good to us. I don't even know the first time I heard the gospel message. I don't even know the first time I understood John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believed him should not perish, have everlasting life. But I got saved. I was born again as a child. I was raised in church. I sang the hymns. I learned the truth. And here's what Paul said. Man, I'm a debtor. I've gotten so much given to me. How can I not be sharing it? How can I not talk about Jesus where I go? How can I not mention the word of God? How can I not mention grace? How can I not mention the faith I have in Jesus Christ? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says this, For the love of Christ constrains, constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. If you've got your Bible open or if you just take a note and look at it later, 
Listen to this. It's the love of Christ. Man, I am so excited that he saved me. I am so excited that I deserve hell, but he saved me. And I mean, that love he has for me causes me to want to share my faith. That love for me causes me to want to share the truth. That love causes me to want to help other people know about Jesus. The next verse says, verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. It's a debt. Can you believe if he died for me and he died for you and he saved you from hell and he made a difference in your life, should you be living for you or should you be living for him? And here's what the apostle Paul said. I can't live for me. I would be dead if it weren't for him. And so since I'm not dead and I am alive, I will live for him. His love constrains me. I'll find a place I can share the gospel. I'll find a place I can bear fruit. I'll find a place I can share my faith. I'll find a place that I can be used of God. I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. Can you imagine how rich you are this morning? How rich you are compared to so many places around the world that never heard the gospel preached. So the fruit came as a debt, and Paul was decided he wanted fruit. He was decided that he would preach. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. For as, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul said, man, I want to come to Rome, and I want to preach you the gospel. Uh, I want to preach the gospel everywhere I go. I just a couple of things I'd like to show you that I think are interesting to you out of that verse. You know who he said he was going to preach the gospel to? Save people. Look at that verse. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. To who? The guys he wrote the letter to. Did you know that the gospel ought to be like the most exciting story we've ever heard? That every one of us ought to be in here going, wow, he saved me. Wow, he gave me eternal life. Let me magnify him. Let me glorify him. Let me talk about what Jesus did. It's the story. It's our, it's our story. It's our life. Paul said, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. He said, I want to tell you about it. And, 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 and you know, here's the deal. You ought never get over this. You ought never get over the fact that the Lord saved you. You ought to be ready to preach the gospel, ready to share your faith. And I'd have a big question for you. Have you even learned enough to share your faith yet? Have you learned enough to know what the Bible says? Do you know what happened to you? Do you know how you got saved? Do you know what the Bible says about it? Could you show somebody what God says about it? Could you show somebody? We live by faith. This is us. It's our story. It's what we preach. It's what we teach. It's everything about us. If you want to know who we are, we are the people of faith. But you got to know about your faith if you want to share your faith. Do you talk about the gospel with other people? It's our foundation. Look at you at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Can I ask you to note this right there in the margin of your Bible? Jesus nor his gospel embarrassed Paul. Have you ever noticed our sports team doesn't seem to embarrass us very much, win or lose? We're not that embarrassed about politics. We're not embarrassed about a discussion of the weather. But buddy, you let the truth come out. You let the gospel come out and we get embarrassed. Jesus embarrasses 
us. Now, he didn't do anything to do that, but we are embarrassed. We don't want to talk about him. You can use his name in a cuss word, but you don't want to talk about him. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Some of us are embarrassed because it's an embarrassment about the truth, about the gospel, about admitting our sin and our weakness. You see, gospel message says you admit this. I stunk really bad. I deserved hell. There's something in me that wants to say, I've always been a good guy. But anybody who's truly born again says this. No, I haven't always been a good guy. And no, I really did deserve to go to hell. But God saved me by his mercy and his grace. He saved me. Some of us are embarrassed to admit that we believe the Bible and Jesus. But Paul wasn't. He said, I am not ashamed. Some of us try to be secret agent Christians. It's not so notorious here because you can ride down the road in your, in your, in your uh, car and nobody knows what you're doing. I, it was so funny in Peru when we first got the church started and there were very few believers and the church was small, maybe a hundred people like what we would have here in this room right now. And the baby be a hundred people and I'd watch them as they walked down the streets and they'd have their Bible stuck down in their pants or they'd have it wrapped in a, in a, a, a bag. They'd do anything they could and they'd walk by and people would poke fun at them because they knew week after week they saw them walking by the, the, the liquor stand. They saw them walking by all these places and they go, Hey brother, Hey brother, you're a brother. We know you're a brother. And they'd come in the door and you'd see them pull out their Bible. They were embarrassed about being a Christian. And that may be almost humorous to us, but we do that. Do people know Jesus gets priority in your life? Do people know Jesus gets priority in your life? Does he get priority? The gospel is all about the power of God. It's all about the power of God. It's not about my ability. It's not about your ability, but it's about his ability. It's not about what you do, but what he did. It's about a God loving us when we didn't deserve it. It's about God doing all the work to rescue us from ourselves and our sin. It's not, man, I have been able to stand. I've been able to not get drunk. I've been able to not do. It's 368 days since I had my last. It's not about that. It's about, boy, I don't deserve to be saved, but Jesus saved me. And he made a difference in my life. I wish you'd look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I wish you'd note something. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I wish you would note that the gospel of Christ is the gospel. It is about Jesus Christ. You must know that it's God working through Jesus that brings salvation. It's Jesus dying on the cross. It's Jesus being buried Dying and buried and rose again. It's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Everything this morning is about one person. It's about Jesus. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Really a weird feeling. I travel around the world in just a few days. I'll get on an airplane and I'll travel to Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso in West Africa. And I'll get on an airplane. And sometimes I'll be sitting in the seat and I'm sitting there and the guy looks at me and says, what are you going to Ouagadougou for? What are you going to Burkina Faso for? What are you going to this country for? And when I say, well, I'm a Bible teacher, I'm a Bible preacher, and I'm going over to teach the Bible, it's almost like, uh, ha, ha. You're not going over to dig any wells. You're not going over to do anything else. No, I'm just going to go over and tell them about how good Jesus is. And almost like we're embarrassed of that. It's almost like we don't want people to know how big our God is 
and what he's doing. It's God. But then it's for every person. Look in Romans 1.16. It's for every person. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now listen to this. I need you to look this way just a second. Some of you have yet to really trust Christ. Some of you have yet to say, I have sinned against the holy God and I, and I need to be saved. Some of you are sitting there thinking, that's not for me. And maybe you think God doesn't want to save you. Let me just say this. He said it's to everyone that believes. And so he gives the gospel to everybody everywhere. And it's up to you to say, I believe God. And I believe what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. It's personal. It's to everyone. It's to those that will believe. The question is, have you believed, not what have you done? It's cultural Christianity. You know what your problem is? You think, I'm a good guy. I don't need to admit I'm a sinner. I don't need to, I don't need to realize that I deserve to go to hell. I'm a good guy. No, that's not the truth. The truth is you're not a good guy. The truth is you are dead. The truth is you are separated from God. The truth is you are not a good person. The truth is you failed God. I failed God. We all failed God. It's the power of God to everyone that believes. Do you believe? Salvation is available to you if you will believe. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. Look at the word. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed through from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You should underline that phrase, the just, that's the righteous, that's the saved, that's the born again people shall live by faith. We live by faith. I need you to listen to me a second. I'm almost finished. What is important is the righteousness of God, not us or our righteousness. You need to listen to this. We live by faith. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul said, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Listen to this. Please listen to this. There's two ways you can feel righteous. I said feel righteous. Some of us feel righteous because we are good people. We're moral people. We've been to church. We treat our neighbors right. We treat our wife right. We treat our children right. We pay our bills. We pay our taxes. We are good people. And in all honesty, we can stand up and say, hey, look around America. I'm a really good guy. But listen what this is. You see, true faith says it's not my goodness, but it's his goodness. No matter how good I have been, I have messed up. No matter how good I have been, I have messed up. And though you might not know how I messed up and you might know not where I failed, I have failed. And Paul said, I'm not trying to go around talking about how good I am. I'm trying to go around talking about how good Jesus is. And righteousness is real, revealed by the faith we have in Jesus Christ. We proclaim him. And let me just give you this last thing and it's it. When you get saved, you get saved by faith and grace. You know that? Did you know you get saved by this? I can't, he can. I ain't, he is. And I know I said ain't. It's not in my ability, it's in his ability. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now listen to this. The frustration you feel in your Christian life is that you think that God is pleased with you only when you are good. 
Some of you in this room aren't enjoying your Christian life. You got saved by grace, but you just can't measure up. You are not satisfied. You are not happy because you feel like God's not pleased with you. But here's what he's saying. How'd you get saved? You got saved by realizing you couldn't. Well, guess how you please me? You can't. Trust me, I'm the one doing the pleasing. When did he love me? He loved me before I ever loved him. When did he love me? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so it is him and what he does. In Galatians 3, 1, he said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learn of you, received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? The day you got saved is the day you gave up. The day you got saved is the day you gave up. It's the day you said, I can't do it. I can't be good enough. Only God can be good enough. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can change me. Only Jesus. And he said, look, are you so foolish that you began by believing him, but you think you can do it now on your own? That's why you're frustrated. You feel like you got saved by his grace, but you have to live by works. You're not living by faith. Faith living is knowing that he's the source of everything. He saved you. He keeps you. He works in you and through you. You trust him. He is living in you right now. The just shall live by faith. Can I just say this? It didn't say the just shall be saved by faith. Did you notice that? It didn't say, hey, May the 6th, 1962, way back in my rear view mirror, mirror, I got saved by faith and the just shall be saved by faith. It said, no, you got saved by faith and you live by faith. All of my life is lived by this. I revolve around Jesus. I orbit the son of God. I, he is everything in my life. The just live by faith. The giving is by faith. The praying is by faith. The living is by faith. The trusting is by faith. I trust Jesus. So I ask you this morning, do you trust Jesus? The just shall live by faith. Some of you are here this morning and the truth is you have never been born again. If you were to die, you would go to hell even though you're a very good person. You're a very good person. You're a good wife, you're a good husband, you're a good person, you're good. You're just good. Nobody would even doubt that you're good. You're good. But God doesn't take good people to heaven. God takes saved people to heaven. Saved means rescued people, sinners that were sinking deep in their sin and they had no out. That's who he takes to heaven. So if you really want to be born again, you've got to say, hey, it's not me, it's him. I trust Jesus. If you've never been saved this morning, you can be. Step one, realize you need him. Realize you need him. By nature, we're arrogant. By nature, we're proud. When I was about 12 years old, I was swimming in a swimming pool. And they had told us on day one, you can't swim in a deep end unless you can swim from one side to the other. And I ran and dove and basically glided all the way to the other side and got out of the pool. And uh, later on, I was swimming and I got about a foot and a half from the edge and I couldn't swim anymore. And I was literally going under and I was dog paddling and doing everything I could to keep up. And people would come by and say, you all right? I said, yeah, man, I'm all right. And I knew I was going to drown. And finally, when I couldn't swim anymore, a guy came by and said, you all right? I said, give me a hand. And when he gave me a hand, I got out. And here's your problem. You've been dog paddling long enough. 
You've been trying to stay above water, trying to feel like you're doing okay, but you know you're sinking in sin. And if you'll trust Jesus, he'll save you. But you've got to give up on some of that pride. And then some of you are Christians. You're born again. You really are born again. But you do not have the joy of your Christian life. You don't have the joy of walking with Jesus because you don't have... You don't walk by faith. You don't live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We are people of faith. We walk in faith. And so this morning, you need to say, God, I'm sorry for being so arrogant and so think you had to pull me out of the pool, but I didn't need you anymore. I do need you. And I will trust you every day of my life. Father in heaven, I ask you to save somebody. There's some people in this room today that need to be born again. They need to be saved. And I'm going to ask you to deal with their heart and convict them of their sin and save them today. I ask you, dear God, to do a work for your honor and your glory, to magnify yourself. Show your power, please. And God, I want to ask for some Christians that are living frustrated lives because they are so good, they don't think they need to trust you. And God, I pray you've convicted them and shown them that the just shall live by faith. Do a work in our midst. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.